Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science. With beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. This week I have a mate of mine to come in and talk about the challenges of running a PCYC. Now, what is that? It's a police citizen youth club. It used to be called Police Boys. So he's here to talk about PCYC organisations in Sydney. His name's Adam Thompson. He's a club manager of the PCYC in Wollongbloo, where he started in 2017 after a career working in media and marketing. Now, he's encountered something very common in the charity sector, and that is they're not utilising the business tools available to them to run efficiently, or to be self-reliant and not just rely on donations to stay open. Now, I should mention I've done a lot of work with PCYC, in particular this one. I'm the patron of the Wollongloo PCYC. I support them in many events. In fact, I'm supporting them with one on this Friday. And they're a good organisation, and uh, to some extent they helped me getting my Order of Australia medal. I want to talk to him today about all the work he's doing here to combat the sorts of problems that charities, and in particular PCYCs, are encountering. So let's get into it. Tomo, welcome to The Mentor, mate. G'day, Mark. Great to be here, mate. Thanks for having me. No worries. I, I, I guess I, I should uh, declare my interest up front. Um, I am the patron of the Wollongloo PCYC, um, and Tomo is the general manager. Are you called general manager or CEO? I mean, you're the boss. Uh, cl- uh, club manager. Club you, manager. You run the joint, anyway. I run the joint, yeah. That's, that's right. all that matters. Um, yeah, So, uh, and I've been involved with uh, Willow for oh, like a million years. So, in some respects, it's um, a great pleasure for me to um, bring Tomo onto the podcast today because... Um, I mean, I want to talk to Tomo about how he's changed the the way the the club uh, functions and performs. I've seen lots of people go through the place over the many years. I've been there for like thirty five years or something. Um, and one of the things I want to talk to Tomo is about the business of charity as opposed to and the business of running PCYCs as opposed to PCYCs. But before I get onto that, a lot of the people listening don't even know what a PCYC is. So what are we talking about here, Tomo? So, so PCYC, that was established in 1937 down in Woolloomooloo. And at the time, it was uh, after the Great Depression, uh, there was a lot of youth crime at the time. Um, but the commissioner at the time, John McKay, thought, look, we can't just keep arresting these kids. We've got to try to nip this in the bud. Um, there was a similar model in England at the time where they had these youth clubs um, and it was having a huge effect on their crime prevention. Um, so, uh, in 1937, in partnership with the Rotary Club of Sydney, uh, the police at the time established the original police boys as a, a lot of people have, uh, I'll say our vintage cause I was yeah. a police boys when I, uh, yeah, was me too. too. I that's, know. That's how I started. I wasn't going to yeah. say your vintage. I thought that wouldn't be a great start to the podcast, but, uh, <laughs> well, my vintage is about one ahead of yours. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I'm, I'm one, one more generation. <laughs> exactly right. So, uh, it was established to essentially prevent crime by 
and against young people. Um, and really, that is the premise of the place today. And um, why Woolloomooloo? I mean, I think for people who are listening, they, they might not get a sense of what Woolloomooloo is. People think Woolloomooloo is the finger wharf and uh, <laughs> fancy restaurants. Exactly right. Well, back in the day, much like many of these affluent suburbs around Sydney, um, it was very, very much working class, um, much like the Balmains, if anyone knows around there. Or Similar in Bondi. Bondi. Um, you know, a lot of these places were working class suburbs. Um, and there was a lot of centralised crime around the city of Sydney at that time. Um, so, look, I think there was a, a, it was a time of good circumstance too. You had a, a police had an asset down there. Um, it used to, I found a couple of different, it was holding cells for a while. It was a mounting yard. So uh, there was a, a bunch of different roles that the club played down there prior to it becoming a PCYC on April 1st, 1937. So that's 81 years ago. That's um, the first PCYC. That was the first PCYC. Um, later that year, the Balmain PCYC established, was established. And now you've got 64 across the state, which is pretty incredible. Um you know, and that ranges all the way up from the Tweed, all the way down to Albury, Wodonga, and as far west as kind of Broken Hill and, and Burke and those types of places. So um, all the clubs have the same premise, but interestingly, um, no two PCYCs are built the same. Uh, PCYCs are built for the community and the needs of the community that they're in, um, which is a pretty important point. Um, you'll have some clubs that are these incredible rec centres. You may walk into our Northern Beaches PCYC and you go, wow, this is state of the art, you know, what an incredible facility, one of our newer clubs. But these clubs that are, I guess, what internally we call super clubs because they can pull a lot of revenue, will fund a club in, say, a Walgett or a Bathurst or a Burke who do who a lot of their work is welfare work. So does all the money go into one pool, does it? It does, but you need to be able to sustain the business you're in, which is, I guess, where I came in as far as Woolloomooloo. Um, we are in a great location in the centre of Sydney. Um, yes, we are a charity, but we were running a charity as a charity. We weren't running a business, a charity as a business. Um, what we offer at PCYC is a lot of them are gym commercial offerings. We have commercial offerings, whether they're classes, martial arts, gymnastics, weights, gyms, all those kind of things. We offer those things and we sell them commercially. Never used to. We didn't sell, we never used to do that, do we? No, 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 back in the day. Well, it was really about youth clubs. It was there for youth. Um, it was about boxing. I mean, it was my, my boxing, recollection. Exactly was, right. Boxing, wrestling. Gymnastics. Bit of basketball. Basketball, gymnastics. Yeah. Those kind of things. So they, they were the core sports, and it was really about a youth centre. They were just there. And, but who paid for So what happened then, Tom? Like, just if we go back before, let's just put the modern times aside, park it for a second. So did the, was it the police um, paid for it? Very much so. So the police the, the police officers used to run the PCYCs, and they did when I was younger. Um, they they would be put into management roles to run PCYCs. Then you had committees who were management committees, so they would uh, oversee the finances and the business side of each and every club. Um, that's the way they were run up until like fifteen twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, you had police officers running the clubs, and you had management committees. Um. What happened post that is obviously we moved into kind of an, a, being our own non-for-profit entity. Um, so PCYC became a charity. The police contributed. So it's still very much, the partnership is still as strong as it was then. It's just changed what the roles are. So PCYC runs the clubs. The police, New South Wales police, help fund the running of those clubs with a contribution each year across the 64 clubs. And then you have a police officer or two at most of them a station within the PCYCs to case manage young offenders. Right. And then, so it's not just about young offenders now, though, is it? Absolutely not. So I, I can only talk about Woolloomooloo from what I see anyway. Mm. Um, Woolloomooloo's got all sorts of kids coming in there these days. And I see you run a boxing class and 
some of the kids in that class of you know I I was I was standing there and I, was, I talked to some of the kids and some of the boys there from Cranbrook and a place like that which aren't you I mean I don't know these kids for all I know these kids could be kids um, who are young offenders I don't know but they didn't seem like it mm. it's it's changed its character I mean once upon a time Willamaloo a long time ago was uh, <laughs> mostly kids from Willamaloo were sort of uh, you'd had to sort of watch where you put your bag and stuff like that because you're worried you might get your wallet stolen. I'm not blaming her. That was just how they brought up. But today, it's totally different. Yeah, look. We've got a we, mix of both. We've got a mix of both. Like, we service. And, like, Willamaloo is a perfect example of that, right? We, we we do have a low socioeconomic area within Willamaloo, um, large housing estates. But we've also got a very affluent area. We've got families who live in the area who can pay. So, I guess to give you an example of how we balance that is, is boxing, for instance. So, we has, as you know, we had a pretty small, humble kind of little junior boxing thing going on. Um, kind of within 12 months, we've kind of 400%. That's right. So we had six people in the class. We easily get 200, uh, sorry, 20 kids in every Monday to do that class. Then from that, I create, I still, that charge nothing for that. They're members. I let them come and do that as an introductory boxing session. But then I introduce a junior squad. So kids who show potential, they could join the squad. Now I value that at $150 a term. They get uniforms, they get professional coaching. They get three sessions a week. Now $150 a term. Some parents will squawk at that and go, that's a bit, how's a young kid in a disadvantaged family going to pay for that? They don't. I make sure that 10 kids every term are sponsored. So I've got someone who donates to sponsor those 10 spots per thing. They pay the 15, you know, the $150 for that young person. On the alternative, these other kids you speak about from Cranbrook and Scotts and who can afford it, their parents will pay the $150. So there's no one, it's still super inclusive. Everyone gets involved, but the difference is is that you've put a value on it. And I know, you know, from a business perspective, everything has a value. Whether it's space, whether it's effort, everything's got a value. And you should be able to break that value down to hour increments and say that's how much that, that effort or that space is per hour or per term or per year. Um, we weren't doing that. And little things like that, implementing small business principles as A, made us more inclusive so more people can get involved, but B, made us sustainable so we can keep running the thing and reinvest that money into introducing new programs. So it, it, it's interesting because you're applying, <clears throat> excuse me, business principles um, to running a club. But when I first, when when you first got there, no one knew you. And what was everyone was worried about is that you were going to change the fabric of the club. Because I'm in, you know, I'm part of the club, and I hear what everyone's got to say. And and I was wondering how it was going to work. I thought to myself, how's this going to work? Because one of the things that happens in these environments, because I've been in lots of clubs over the years, and you come up against, you know, the people who have been there for a long, long time, and they tend to have power, or at least it looks like they've got power. I don't mean like in a sort of, a, you know, a Putin style power, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but they, have, they have influence is probably a better way of putting it. And what is it that makes you – Think to yourself, no, look, I can get around that influence. What's the thing that drives you? Why, why do you think you can get around that influence? Look, I, I, I've been lucky enough to, to work in, you know, I came from an executive management background before stepping into this. And I've worked with some really, really shrewd business people, you know, people we both know, people like Nick Fordham and Adam McDougall. And um, I've worked inside the NRL and uh, in a pretty tumultuous environment, worked with different boards, etc. I guess I learned different lessons through that. But one, one thing, and Adam McDougall really taught me this when I, I spent time working with him, um, working with the Man Shake and the Man Challenge, was that um, maintaining the integrity of your core offering. 
maintaining the integrity of your core offering. And I guess for us, our core off- offering is offering kids activities. So that's the first thing you identified. What is the core offering? The core offering is that we've got to provide young people. We've got to empower young people. And we do that by getting them active in life. So that was our core offering. So I, ca- I, I, I approached my uh, committee and everyone, all the staff, I said, guys, I'm going to have two rules coming in here. We're doing stuff for kids or we're doing stuff that makes money so we can do stuff for kids. And everything's got to have those two rules applied to it. And if we come up busters on either of those things, well, we don't do them. And it's really, really that simple. Hmm. Um, the other thing I've learned was just being ultra transparent. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I came from the media space and sometimes you've got to soften your blow and come in a bit harder and a bit softer and all those kind of things, right? And what I, what I thought was that's not what this place needs. This place needs ultra transparency. They need to trust me when I came in. So my first committee meeting as the manager, rather, is, and I was a committee member the year before, so I had a little bit of insight. But in my first committee meeting, before I called the AGM, which is the annual general meeting, I said, guys, this is my plan for the next 12 months. These are the things I want to do. Now, I ran through all those things. Won't bore you with the details. Essentially, I got to the end of it and I said, I need everyone in this room to ask yourselves, can you add genuine value to these things that I'm trying to do this year? And if you can't, there's nothing wrong with that. But maybe being a committee member isn't for you. I employ you to volunteer. I employ you to be a member here and enjoy the facilities. But maybe being a committee member isn't for you. And what I found by being that brutally honest with them in a you know respectful manner was that many of them came up to me and said, Tomo, I'm really, really excited about what you're doing. I just don't think I'm the guy to help you get there. I said, no worries, mate. Thank you for your honesty. You know? And what they did, they opened up a bit of space for me to invite some other people to get involved. Now, having worked with boards for a long time, um, I knew the best boards were diverse. They, they represented all the different facets of the business that you need if they were specialists in the fields of the different facets of the business that you're running. So, you know, I invited people like, a, you know, invited a, a person who's been in property for a long time. You know, we, we were lucky enough. We've got James Dack, um, who, who many in the property world will know quite well, um, who, who was there already. But I invited a property developer um, on board because we've got a lot of master plans and works that we want to get done on the building. Um, obviously, financially, you can help us as well. But my prime purpose was that's a part of the business that we need to look at. I invited a CEO from another non-for-profit. Um, we invited a marketing sales guru from the fitness space to come in and, and work with us. So I in, in, introduced these different types of people in the business and they set the culture. I set the platform for them, but I let them set the culture because they're demanding excellence of the, of the club. And the other thing is too, is establishing their roles. So they're an advisory committee. They're not a management board. They're not a managing committee. They're there to advise. And they were very much on board with that. They knew that it was my, like, I'm accountable. The CEO doesn't give them a ring and say, hey, you didn't make budget this month. You know, he calls me. So I need them to advise me, to give me new ideas, fresh ideas, fresh approaches, and challenge me on the operations I'm doing. And we, we, they've done that. And I think that's really set the tone for the change. And because they've bought in, it's filtered down and everyone at the club's bought in. So, and did you have to sort of, sort of carve the joint up at all, do you think? Look, I made some significant changes, but... W- once again, learning my lessons I had is I made things a consultative process. So as you would know, I made some pretty drastic changes to boxing at the club. We were running boxing as a club. Like if anyone thinks of PCYC, they're thinking of boxing. You know, mm. that's the first thing they think of, right? But we were making little to, to no revenue out of it. Um, you know, we had, and we had no kids in there. 
And I thought because I think it was a bit intimidating for kids too. Hundred percent, Mark. You're, you're spot on. And you know, oh, if, parents. If, Parents, pa- parents got a bit intimidated by yeah, it. Yeah, well, if you're a 13 year old kid and you walk past the boxing room, there's a bunch of middle aged men just whacking a bag and yeah, 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 yeah. That's, you're not going to want to walk into that room. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to make it clear. I'm going to, I'm going to change that. So what I did is I held a, a boxing forum and I invited anyone who wanted to have any say on what we do as a club in, re- in relation to boxing. I implored them to come along. I had a plan set out, you know, which I'd consulted different people at the club, laid out that plan. Um, I let everyone have their say. People didn't agree with me. Um, a lot of the things they were upset about is that I was putting a numerical value on things. I was like, oh, you can't charge for that. Oh, you, our kids can't afford that. I said, your kids won't pay. I go, I will make sure your kids don't pay. The kids who can't afford it won't pay. The kids who can afford it will. The grown men who can pay, what I would say is if you need something for free, there's a wonderful establishment that's been in Wollongaloo for years. Um, they offer free services to men and women down on their luck who, who want some recreational activity. I would say you need to go talk to them because we do stuff for kids or we do stuff that makes money so we can do stuff for kids. And I think even just letting them have their say, and it got a little bit fiery and that's fine. I let everyone kind of say what they had to say, but we still move forward with what the plan was. And uh, one of the individuals down there said, oh, we're going to lose everyone. I said, trust the process. They'll all go away. And they love this place and they're going to come back and they'll know I'm being fair. The reality is I charge them $17.50 a week, which is, you know, even for someone who, who you know, is at minimum wage, you know, and say they're it's a the concession. It's the cheapest gym in Australia. For a concession, it's $11.50 a week. Yeah. So it's not like I'm, I'm trying to rob people, you know. I give them access to all these things. Um, so once they realize I was being fair which took a little while for them to click over because it's changed. Change is hard. I mm. mean, anyone who's made any change in any kind of business place, any kind of club, community, political change, those things are tough. People will find them hard to accept. Um, but they come around, especially if they know that you're doing the right thing. And my intent's always been to do the right thing. As, and this model that you're running at Woolloomooloo, um, is it being run anywhere else? For example, I mean, is, I, I used to go to Glebe a lot. Mm. And um, I haven't been there for a couple of years now, but I, I used to go to Glebe a lot. I don't think Glebe's doing that, is it? Are look, others doing it? Look, I think I think they're coming around. We're really lucky. We've got a, a CEO who's probably been around a couple of months longer than I have. His name's Dominic Tickle. Um He's the former COO of Ticketek. Um, and he, he's also a former military man. He served uh, in the armed forces. Um, a, a man of great conviction and a very, very driven individual. And he's really setting the tone. But once again, change takes time. And I think everyone's starting to come around to this new way of thinking that we have these assets, especially the clubs that have them, and not all do. Not all, every 64 clubs could do what we do at Woolloomooloo because we're very, we're, we're built for our community. So you can't just carbon copy things. No, but that, that concept of um, this is all for the kids and all yep. the money I raise is so I can do more for kids. I mean, that just that concept, that, that, that understanding. Yeah, look, and I think the other thing is, it's, it's, and come from a media background, maybe it's easier for me to see. But the communication is really about that everything we do directly contributes to going back into us delivering things for kids. And I don't, you know, that's something we're getting better at communicating. Um, but, you know, those gym fees, they directly contribute to us being able to deliver stuff for kids. And that's something that, us, from a messaging point of view, we're getting better at. Um, and I, th- I think the whole PCYC movement needs to do it because yeah. PCYC stands for youth. <laughs> PCYC, police, citizens and youth club. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's what about youth and PCYC has become synonymous for something else. 
um, uh, blokes going and hitting the bag and, uh, you know, skipping and sparring and, you know, and just, gr- gr- you know, grumbling around the joint because they've been there for 30 years. So, I mean, I, my gut feel is that we need to reinvigorate, like you have at Willamalu, just generally for the PCYs to move. And this is about, about kids, young kids. Yeah. Not, not just kids off the street, by the way. It is not only about um, disaffected children, boys and girls, but it's about all being, as you said, inclusive. All kids, all the things that you're talking about now, not just boxing with them. Yeah. It could be, you know, in some areas it could be violin. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It could be and it could be music. Yeah, look, I think there's some, there's some really exciting things happening across the PCYs across the network. I think, um, you know, but you've got to start, you've got to start at a base and you've got to start with development. You know, you need people who can implement these things and et cetera. Um, and, and Dominic, to his credit, is really, really driving that change. You know, we've got some tremendous clubs doing some tremendous activities and working really strongly with the police partnership to deliver those things. You know, there's, there's a myriad of different programs. Um, you know, you walk into Marrickville, uh, our PCYC club at Marrickville, mate, that is never, never quiet. You know, there is kids playing basketball. You, you just hear that hum, you know, that hum yeah. that you hear of the kids talking and screaming and having a good time. You know, the majority clubs, particularly in the metro area, are getting there, but we are a non-for-profit. So, you know, I mean, the, the, you need those capital funds to make huge changes. Now, like, We've kind of, we're lucky at Woolloomooloo, like I say, we're kind of in that space where we've got people like yourself involved and, you know, um, and James and Terry Agnew and these types of people involved in the club that can help us push and drive um, certain things. Um, but I, I think as a whole, what you're talking about and that shift, I, that, that that's well and truly underway and I, I, um, I've got to give... Without sucking up to the boss too much, I've got to give I've got to give Dom a, a lot of well, no, that's credit important because because it's interesting because one of the observations I I would make before Don Dom is that uh, each of the clubs ran their own game mm. and are only answerable to whoever their committee was, etc. Like yeah. there was, it seemed to me that like um, Glebe was running its show, Woolmer was running its show, Marrick was running its show. Redfern used to run its show. I don't yeah. know. Redfern's closed down, isn't it? No, no, no. Redfern is still there. Redfern's still, still there. Yeah, and no, they still cross the road from Redfern, Redfern Oval and, um, you know, working pretty closely with the community there now. But like, you know, like I say, it's- It's got to start from the top though. It does. And like, like I say- One message. Very much is, you know, and his message is we're there to empower young people. One message. Yeah. And I like that. I mean, that, yeah. that one message thing, I really, I'm glad, I'm, I, I'm finding out stuff myself- for us for the first time here, but I, I quite like that one message and it's about children, about kids yeah. or youth. It's probably a better word. Yeah, it's not and about look, and kids. he's all about like yeah, and Dominic, you know, and it's a simple, simple activation. But every time you call a PCYC, every single person on that end of that line says, um, "PCYC empowering young people." This is yeah, which is which is such a small thing. I remember when he brought that in. You know, you had the you know cynics who whatever they're across it. But it's become part of the the language, part of the vernacular. People that are using that, and when you say things enough, you, you believe it. You can believe it into reality. And I think that a concept of that was his message. And we're going to empower young people. We're here to empower young people. Tell me about your calendar. So you have a calendar. I mean, because I, I, I do something for every year. In fact, I'm doing it this Friday. We got a thing called Time for Kids, or you got a thing called Time for Kids, and you no, get a, we mark. You're well and truly. Yeah, I've been doing it for a long time now. Um, and you lock me up in the middle of Martin Place along with other people, and uh, we collect money to get me out of out of jail. And uh, it's an interesting concept. We try to raise money. Um, you got you try to raise money, and um, what's your target for this year? So our target for this year is fifty thousand. 
Um, that'll set a record. So we set a record last year. Yeah, I remember it. Yep. So we uh, we <laughs> had you shaking I the can. I you said it. You did, you did. Uh, so we were shaking the can a fair bit last year. And um, so we broke it last year. We want to break it again this year. So we're aiming at 50,000. What's a really exciting one? So we do have the activation. We're locking you up and a couple other individuals. I'm getting locked up myself. Uh, not for the first time. Um, and uh, so I'll be getting locked up as well. Um, but what's really exciting is uh, Michelle Bridges, um, well-renowned. Yep, yep, yep fitness um, personality, she's actually running a fitness workout in the middle of Martin Place at 12 o'clock. Um, so there's, it's limited to only 100 spots, but um, it's $200 a spot. You get to do a full workout with Michelle Bridges in the middle of Martin Place. Um, that'll equate to $20,000. So we're really pushing that. And what I'm trying to look for and, and working with a lot of local businesses is for them to pay for their employees to take part. I think it's a really good thing to promote well-being and health and and the reality is it's going back into a good cause. So it represents everything we're about. And does Macquarie Bank still support? I mean, yeah, they Macquarie used to Bank, so, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Macquarie Bank is still involved. Um, our chairman is with Macquarie Bank. Um, so Macquarie Bank is still definitely involved and I'll be uh, giving him a call later, later on today to make sure they're well, uh, heavily involved I, next Friday. One of the things I should tell Tom is because they have a policy in Macquarie Bank that um, if somebody raises money within Macquarie Bank, Macquarie Bank, the, the bank itself will actually match it. Mm. So they have oh, this, that's good intel. Yeah, they have a matching system because <laughs> I remember about pre you about maybe four or five years ago. I remember um, we we raised uh, fourteen thousand dollars and Macquarie matched it with another fourteen thousand dollars. Yes. So we got twenty eight thousand. So um, and that was through Nick Moore. Um, so I just sort of raised that one for you because uh, I know and Marcus um, Marcus Droger, Droger, yeah, yeah. Um, when he he's not there anymore, but when he was at Macquarie, I remember um, he raised. I can't remember it was ten grand or something at a fight night when he actually yep. jumped in the ring. And Macquarie put that year Macquarie had a deal where they actually gave double whatever it, whatever the Macquarie employee put in. So he actually brought in thirty grand. For, that was for the legacy night, but some of that money went to PCYC. So you should make sure you know that that um, that there is a. It's a nice little nugget you've yeah, just thrown yeah, me there, yeah, mate. There's Very a, good. There's a process within Macquarie Bank where, or <laughs> Macquarie Group, I should say, where they actually match donations for for charities. So obviously PCYC would be one of them. I just asked you a minute ago about calendars. Do yep. you believe in having it? I mean, is your part of your thought process in the business of running charity or in the business of running good cause, which is what this is, having a set calendar? So everybody knows what's coming up. So, because I, I mean, I just some things I've observed. I know, I know Time for Kids comes up around now every year, but you, you did th- something at the beginning of the year or maybe la- late last year where. Um, I actually took my godson and he fell asleep, but um, Anthony Mundine had a fight for a yep. guy from Scots College. Yep. Was he the is he the principal? Uh, he Scott's was like the deputy principal of the deputy junior school. Yeah. Um, do you do you have calendars like that now set out where everybody? Yeah. So explain Abs- a calendar. How does it work? Absolutely. Look, <clears throat> well, there's two calendars. You know, the one calendar is we run a gym and fitness business, so we've got to understand when are the peaks and troughs of gym and fitness business. Now we know from, is the January early year. Everyone's setting New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose weight this year. So you know that's a great that's a prime time for that, right? Um, then. It'll kind of die down as winter gets in. People getting the comfort food and, you know, a bit of carb loading. And then once the sun starts to come out, people go, oh, Jesus, I need to lose some weight, whatever. So it picks up again around spring, September. So that's as far as our business, our social enterprise, I like to refer to it as that. That's our core business there. As far as fundraising goes, I think it's very much about um, you, you want to get in before the financial year is always a good one. So that's always where we want to do an activation in before that. Um, and then post that generally that kind of two months, three months after that, from what I can find, um, there, it's not a huge period because people are kind of count, counting the beans. 
Um, but then later in the year, as we're heading towards Christmas, people are feeling good and feeling in a good mood. Therefore, they're more inclined to, to give. So we'll have another activation in September and then we'll have another fight night around November again. So that'll be our major fundraising throughout the year. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go for a break. We're going to have a half time here. <laughs> and, uh, and when we come back from the break, I want to talk to you about how you structure a year, but I also want to know what it is that drives you. Why do you want to do this? Back in a sec. Okay, we're back from the break, and um, I'm talking to Adam Thompson. He's the general manager of the Woolamloo PCYC, which is a part of the uh, Police Citizens Youth Club uh, uh, movement in New South Wales. I don't think it's in any other state, is it, Tom? Well, there is PCYCs in Queensland, but they run as their own entities. Right. So, um, yeah, but PCYC in New South Wales is is our own entity within New South Wales. And Tom has explained that sort of the origins of PCYC. It originally came through the police police boys movement um, back in the um, early parts of the 20th century. Sounds ridiculous when I talk like that, but uh, <laughs> but it was. And uh, and it was in, – and the – as far as Woolloomooloo is concerned, and probably this uh, this filters up, as Tom was saying, filters back up into the PCYC movement, the, the management of PCY generally across the state. It's about empowering um, youth and, and or kids and uh, everything they do, every decision they make, or the whole way they run each of the individual businesses at the individual locations is about raising money and doing activities that will either enhance kids' participation in the various things that are in the club – Either that and or will provide the parents of those children who can pay um, the ability, uh, the, uh, the uh, opportunity to come and participate in the things that the clubs does, does the activities that the clubs do. So the sorts of things that, in my mind, the things that parents are interested in, for example, in the Woolum- in eastern suburbs, which is where Woolloomooloo is, summer holiday activities. Mm-hmm. Parents pay fortunes to get kids minded gainfully minded during the summer holidays or the school holidays. Um, you know, you, the sorts of things that I know of are things like code club, there's basketball camps, there's rugby league camps, Rooster put on rugby league camps. Um, there's uh, you, you now putting on boxing camps. Um, how can you leverage your premises and your brand and the protection of the police, so to speak? You know, that's sort of, that's important. That's a big asset to you. For parents to think, oh, I might send my kid down to Woolloomooloo PCYC for this activity. It doesn't have to be boxing or wrestling or basketball. It can be uh, coding. Mm. It can be a summer, a, a, a school holiday coding camp. What about those sorts of ideas? There are strict guidelines set by the Department of Education of what is a what's vacational care versus what is a camp or a sports camp. Right now, they deem us as a recreational activity. Uh, physical activity type organisation. Um, we do have a, I think called our Kids Care, which is, um, I guess, a, another not an organisation, but it's kind of a silo of the PCYC, which is running a number of PCYCs. But they run under the same premises that are after school care, right. etc. Run. So there are certain clubs that are, are, can deliver vacational care. Um, our club and a lot of the clubs like us we have the capacity to deliver camps and sports camps. So we weren't doing any before I came. I, I, um, I'm i big on branding, obviously, because that's my background. And 
I knew that um, I wouldn't have to sell boxing that hard because when people think of PCYC, they think boxing and vice versa, boxing, PCYC. So I started with the boxing camps. Um, where we're kind of expanding to now is now I've got enough numbers that I can split it up. So I've got older teens. We'll do like an elite boxing camp. I've got a junior kids boxing camp, which is very much about games and fundamental schools, skills rather, um, run over two days. They're both of those. But now we're diverse, diversifying our, our offering. So we're going to have a hip hop um, dance workshop over three days um, running at the club. Um, and then on top of that, um, we got martial arts that run a lot. PCYCs and run it out. So you mean um, like wrestling and oh, like yeah, jiu Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, like taekwondo, these kind of things. So we're putting on like a you know a one day martial arts camp where they get to try the different types of martial arts for my providers who pay me a venue high free. It's good marketing for them, um, and for me, it's a revenue stream, um, an additional revenue stream for us to do. So and how do you get the kids interested? I mean, what we, I mean, I know some of the packages, but. Kids love to get a, a little bag or a gift or something. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so they get they get a they get a t shirt, they get wraps. Um wraps and, being the things you put around your hands. Wraps around your hands. And you teach them how to do it. hundred percent. that's one of the first lessons we teach. So they get those kind of things and then, you know, we play games, but then what we additionally do on top of that is we get a dietitian to come in and at lunchtime everyone makes their lunch and we talk about food and why it's important to have a balanced diet around protein and less and sugar. All those kind yep. of things. And yeah. Parents and love that. Yeah, exactly right. So, so we're giving nutrition. We're getting them active. We're teaching them some skills. Um, all the things you kind of want, you know, uh, as far as what you deliver, in, as far as the well-being and wellness space. So, you get kids out of the house, stopped them from playing iPad. Parents like that. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm not there. I'm only a two and a half year old man. I haven't encountered that one. It's yet, coming. But, yeah, I know it's coming, baby. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so look, we wanted to offer that, and and now it's starting to diversify what we do. You know, like introducing hip hop dance, introducing you know, martial arts camp, um, and, and look, they're 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 easily sustained. They're easy. They're relatively easy to do. Marketing them is hard because it's a pretty um, congested marketplace. You know, parents have only got so much money to spend on camps, and you know, some soccer camps. I mean, they could cost upwards of five hundred bucks. You know, um, ours isn't that much. You know, we charge you know between. 40 and 70 dollars depending on what it is um but yeah the school holiday periods is, is a real growth area as far as our business goes and do you and, use schools yeah yeah absolutely so we've got close relationships with a lot of the surrounding schools um that was once again that was something relationships is really big you know whether it's our programming and referrals for young people or whether it's looking to open our business kind of uh, business commercial offerings up a little bit um it's funny you know when you use the word business around a charity and inside a charity, people start to get uncomfortable. They start mm. to, you know, their shoulders get all tense and, oh, you're going to turn this into a, just a business and we're just going to be anytime fitness or whatever. Um, but the reality is, is you, if you implement s small little business activation, real simple business principles to these charities, you see the difference. You see the difference, you know. We were doing merchandise, Right. But we were just, I remember when I first came in, the crew said, oh, we want to do merchandise. And I was early, so I just said, look, you know, if you've got the budget, go do it. And they did something, and it was cool. It was like a singlet thing and said Willow on the front. It's great. But I was thinking, well, I've got to use this boxing thing. So now, I don't know if you see it on my T-shirt. We'll take a photo later, I'm sure. I've got so, one. Uh, you've got one. But now we do limited edition boxing T-shirts every quarter. And we only do a limited run. And, uh, you know, we make probably 300% profit. But once again, with the message that every bit of dollar that goes into buying one of these t-shirts goes back into us being able to fund youth programs at the club. But it's the limited edition. They're boxing. I'm getting the branding out there. So people wear these. These shirts have just gone out the door. We had to do another a round of them. 
Um, Both sides. There we go, Huey. There we go, Mark. Have a look. There we go. So uh, I but, bought four at Christmas time. Yeah, exactly right. Great, great Christmas gift. Anniversaries, whatever you like. Um, but now we do limited edition vintage style boxing t-shirts, and now we become synonymous with it. I get my staff to wear it. Oh, can I get? Yeah, you can buy one of those shirts. No worries, bang, and we buy it. So once again, real small, small kind of business thing, marketing thing that works. People now associate boxing. They're getting that reconnection with it, and we're making money off merchandise selling it at the club. So I don't think the merchandising is good. I mean, I and 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 actually, just the the style of it. I quite like the style of it. I mean, and you're getting the stuff printed. I mean, I guess you're getting AS or something like that to build, make them. Yeah, they're, they're all good quality AS yeah. colour shirts, of yep. course. And uh, but we've got a, a company who'd look after us and do us a reasonable rate because we are a not-for-profit and they're in it within our network. And, um, yeah, they're doing really well. It's been one of these kind of small, minimal effort things that have had a, made a huge difference to what we do. Yeah, so you got – so what we're talking about here now is you've got fundraising events like the one I'm going to do on Friday for you down at Martin Place. Um, along with other people, and you just said Michelle Bridges is going to be there, which is fantastic. Um, that's that that type of thing. Tickets got to, still available. It's tickets still available, <laughs> and I I definitely want to stay in that uh, cell for too long. So come and bail me out. <laughs> um, um, and I've just thrown in there that uh, you know don't forget to hit up Macquarie. Yeah. But um, uh, you then you have some more events that are going to come up at the end of the year. I mean, I went to a great event last year where um Anthony Chock um. Did an exhibition with um the um, Duncan de- Kendall, de- yeah. de- de- deputy principal at. Uh, Willow uh, at um, uh, Scotts College, and and what was great is he brought some boys from Scotts College. They did um uh, they did some uh, Aboriginal boys, some Indigenous yep. boys, and they did a performance for everybody. Um, the room was full of uh, a lot of you know people I know around around town who pay, who paid money to watch a good night. Um, I know you had Ruggers kid there. Uh, uh, put on an exhibition. A good young fighter. He's at Scots College as well. Yep. I think he is at Scots. Isn't he, he is yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is at Scots. Um, he's and I know he's on. A, he's in our Roosters development squad. He's a good footballer as well as a good, very good boxer. I think he's be one of the best boxers in Australia for his age group. Anyway, so it was a great night. It was held in the downstairs in the basketball court. Yep, that's right. It was a good event. So you're holding events to raise money. Mm-hmm. You uh, have the, you have set up a system whereby people pay money every week. Whereas before they probably didn't pay. Yeah, so that's a, that's a really good point. So like, um, we had a big long menu of membership, uh, obje- you know, ways you could sign up and be a member and use the gym, right? But I kind of think of it in that restaurant mentality. There's nothing worse than going to a restaurant and you have a five page menu with all these different things. A good restaurant has four entrees, four mains, a couple of desserts. That's it, right? So we went from having I think close to ten or eleven different membership options. Now we've got three. Yeah. You pay a casual fee, you pay a direct debit, all right? So you sign up for direct debit or you pay a yearly fee. And that's it. Just really simple. Trying to sell all these different things is too hard. But you're not there in a position to sell them either. I mean, because no. you, you don't even get a chance to talk to these people. That's right. You don't have a sales team. You don't sort of sit there like the rooster. No. We've got people on the telephone, you know, ringing everybody up every month. So you don't have the resources to do it. So you have to make it simple and automatic. That's right. So, you know, people sign up. And by the way, if they want to come to the gym, they've got to sign up. That's it. That's it. That's yeah, if you, yeah, if you if you're not a member um, of of the PCYC, you can't come in. Yeah. And if you haven't got a do- you know what we call an access pass, which costs seventeen fifty a week, very little, or or pay that upfront cost, or pay a casual fee, you, you can't use the facilities. And it's pretty simple. And, and people get it. Yeah. And I, I, and I think once again that came from just researching around that doing those business principles. You know, what does your marketplace look like? What is research. your competition? Research. What is the census data? You know, what kind of demographics are in and around us? Doing that and then go, okay, well, now we can make a measured decision. And I didn't make that decision until like six months after I'd started. I kind of let things happen the way they were happening. 
Um, and then I go, okay, well, this has got to change. I did the research and then I put the business case forward to myself and my team. So everyone understands. That's really important. I think all good businesses, you could ask the person at the bottom of the ladder or the top and their messaging is, is the same. They're all singing from the same hymn book. Um, you know, and it's something I still work on with my guys and make sure their messaging is right and how, you know, simple sales principle, create a problem, deliver the answer, those kind of things. How much do you pay at your current gym? Oh, I pay, oh, that's a lot. You know, it's only seventeen fifty here. Oh, really? Yeah, we get this and you get 10 classes a week as well. Wow, that's amazing. Where do I sign? So just teaching them that dialogue without that sales training, real simple principle stuff has made an enormous difference. And they're just implementing really, really simple business principles to what we do. I think the audience from who are listening to this can see there's a lot of energy here from Tomo. Where do you energy from, mate? What drives you? What 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 makes you want to do this? Well, you know, uh, in my former life, I worked in in, in the media. Um, I worked in radio for a long time. It was my dream job. I always wanted to work in radio, and then I got to work in television. And that was my dream job. And I got to do that, and I always wanted to write a book, and I got to do that, and I, I got to do a lot of things before I was thirty that I never dreamed. You know, I was from a single a single mum. You had me when she was sixteen. Grew up in the housing commission down in Glebe. Things that were just out of the world for, for, for a kid from where I was from. And I got to achieve all those things. I moved into some management stuff. So I got to work. I love rugby league. I'm very passionate about the game. I got to work in the NRL. Um, once again, I, and then I got to work with these great people, you know, um, you know, like Adam McDougall and, and Nick Fordham and, and these types of people and some other businesses and did really well for myself. And I think I, I gave a lot to those people I worked for. But I guess I got to a point where I was volunteering. I'd been volunteering down at the PCYC for about five years. And I just wanted to, um, I just felt like if I could give a bit more of myself rather than an hour or two a week, that I could make significant difference to the lives of the young people that were coming in there. So I made a decision after some consulting with my wife, because it was obviously a significant change to my uh, financial status, changing jobs. But we worked it out and I said, look, I'm going to dedicate the next two years of my life to working with the PCYC. So Good timing, call it what you want. Job came up. I took it at Woolloomooloo um, to run the place. And um, what drives me is I've made a commitment. And I think that sh- should be what drives a lot of people, you know. And that's what we teach our young people that we mentor. Is if you decide you're going to do something, you, you do it. And, and you rip in every day and that's your purpose. Um, and you yeah. can't just tell them. One of the things that I think people who are listening should know that is, like I go down, I'm down at PCYC quite a lot. And Tomo's there pretty much every day. Early, uh, this morning was a very early. Actually, he was having his own training about quarter to quarter to six. I, I, I would I saw him um, training before he came in here, but oh, that's on his own. But normally, he's actually down there training the kids and or adults. Um, so he he leads by example. He's actually in there with them training in the boxing, adults and kids. Yeah. So so like that that was a small thing. So obviously. Everyone thought when I it's came in. It's not a small thing, mate. It's a big thing. Yeah. Well, look. It's actually a big thing. I, everyone, everyone thought when I came in that I was going to be the media and marketing guy, right? Because that's my background. I get it. I've done well in that space. So I would make that assumption too. But I had to look at what the club needed. And what the club needed was, you know, we needed to run classes. Leadership is what a leader. Well, it needed leadership. And that's what you've done. Absolutely. But it, need, like, it needed me to be a boxing coach sometimes. Mm. So I've been involved in boxing and combat sports for a long time. So I just thought. Well, I'm going to make sure I'm a creditor and I'll run the classes, we, you know, so I jump in, you know, and I, now I run classes in the morning and people get involved and they jump in and we made that a major offering because that's what we needed. We needed something extra. I can't compete with any time or jet fitness or any of this mob, right? But I can offer classes 
with some creative rostering and throwing myself in the mix, that means that I can give a more superior offering as far as an overall value kind of thing than than, than these other places can offer. And I can do it in the home of boxing. The PCYC Woolloomooloo Club is, is the longest existing boxing program in New South Wales. I can I can I can work with that. And some famous boxers of box there too. Hundred percent. You know, yeah, Tony, old Tony Mundine. Yeah, Jimmy Carruthers. Actually, um, Cassius Clay trained there at one stage. A bit of trivia for you. Yeah. Uh, the first ever Australian World Title fight featuring an Australian. The promoters for that event was the committee of the PCYC Woolloomooloo. Wow. Club. When was that? Day. Now you testing me. I should know that. That was in nineteen. I'm going to say fifty-seven. Year after I was born. Yeah. There you go. You'd remember it then, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> If my memory goes yeah. back to when I was one. <laughs> so, um, so, so, like, long, rich history. So I knew if I can revive boxing, you'll notice if you see any kind of marketing collateral around the city or anything, anything we do has got some kind of boxing imagery with it. Yep. Everything. Even everything the T-shirts. Even the T-shirts. Yep. Everything's got – because that's an easy sell for me. I yep. don't need to try to convince you yep. that we're a trusted source of boxing there. Yep. We are because we have been for 81 and years. And it doesn't have to be a violent source of bo- – it's not violent either. No. It, it's controlled – doesn't have to be aggressive. It's not even aggressive. It's controlled. It's sport. It's um. It, it's a. It's an art. The way you teach it, it's an art. I mean, yeah. There's no one in there bashing each other up. Now you would say in my classes that I run in the morning when you pop in and uh, and train yourself, it's a very diverse group. You yeah. know, I've got uh, older Sri Lankan lady in her fifties. I've got young guys who actually box in there. I've got kid, the younger people under eighteen in there training. Business professionals, very diverse group, and they all do the same stuff. Yep. And you know, I teach them fundamentals and. They get a good workout in. Um, but I guess going back to that original point, I knew that I could offer that, you know, because I've done a footy coaching and et cetera. I knew that was something I could add value, you know. And you also say, had the heritage of the club Got the heritage of the club behind me and I knew that I could offer that. So by throwing myself in, like even now, like I'd probably do <laughs> probably anywhere close to kind of eight hours a week of my week is spent coaching boxing. And do you enjoy doing that? Oh, mate, I love coaching. Yeah. And anyone who's been around me or knows me, you know, whether it's footy or, or boxing or even having to work in my workplace, I don't mind a coaching session or two. You know what I mean? And that's more because I'm, I'm about being better. You know, any team But are you I a natural with, teacher? Oh, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, it sounds like you like to teach. I mean, I, I do. Way, I, yeah. I, lo- I teach. I like or share. To, like my thing in, um, is, is I want to be better than I was the day before. And I, I think if we are always better than we were the day before, we have our bad days. But if our intent is better than it was the day before, we're going to be better. We're going to see it in reality. So whether I'm coaching or whether it's my staff or or whether it's myself, you know, I, I introduced something I do this year and I was, I was kind of doing it here and there last year, but I started a thing called a gratitude journal. And I was a super spiritual guy. I'm an atheist, you know, like I'm not into all that kind of thing, but I thought I'm going to start my day with writing three things down that I'm really, really grateful for. And what I found was it just centered me, you know, things are pretty good, you know, um, but how can I make them better? I'm going to challenge myself to make things better. And I, that's what I challenge my staff to do. I don't expect anyone around me or the community people around me or politicians I work with, I don't expect them to be the person I expect, I want them to be in my pipe dreams, but I want them to get one step closer to that every single day. And I think that culture is really filtered through without the club. We don't, you know, everyone's accountable and we're striving for something bigger than ourselves. You know, we're striving to help kids as many as we can. Um, and we do that by running a really, really good club that's sustainable um, and being what we're about every day. We've got to be empowering young people every single day. We've got to show an example of that. I'll walk around and ask my staff, what have you done to empower a young person today? You know, and some days they're like, oh, 
I'm not sure. They'll, they'll go and rectify that. You know well, what I mean? They'll start thinking about it. That's for sure. They'll start not, thinking about it. And tomorrow you're going to ask me again. So you're gonna, yeah. they're going to be the same thing. Tom, I, I guess what everybody's hearing here is um, this is a, a refreshing level of energy and intellect and experience being brought into um, a social enterprise, as you called it. Let's call it charity, but let's call it social enterprise. Let's call it the business of charity. Let's call it the business of looking after people. It doesn't matter. Irrespective of what you call it, it needs uh, this input, this intellect and energy and experience that you're bringing to the table and, and, and a desire to make it work. And, and you're making it work, mate. And I want to say this as, a, as the patron of the club, as a user of the club, as a long-time associate of this club and someone who believes in the movement itself and have believed in it for many years because I, you know, I, was in, I was one of those kids who had to make use of it when I was a young man. Um, compulsorily, <laughs> and uh, and and uh, to and to see what you're doing in a modern version of what the police used to do in those days, well intentioned, but today you have to do it in a modern version that is very structured and uh, and consistent. I want to say to you, thank you on behalf of all those people who um, enjoy the benefits of what you're doing to the club overall, either as a a disaffected youth or alternatively as somebody who comes from a family who can afford to send their kid there just to get an experience of being involved in the club. So I want to thank you for that. And I think you're doing a bloody great job, mate, honestly. And I, and I hope people turn up to on Friday to see Michelle Bridges and pay their 200 bucks to be in one of the class and bail me out and bail you out. And we raise the $50,000 that's needed to set another record. Cause the more records you set, the more people get engaged with this club and yeah. the more people get excited. And the more we can do, you know, and I, I think, um, you know, if, if there's anything I, I want to kind of leave people with is I know how hard small business is, you know, and I, I get it. Um, but if you've got time, it's not just about donating to charities. It's great. Mm. We survive on it. Right. But if there's great, strong business people out there who are really confident in their skill set and what they can offer, I would implore you to, to see how you can get involved. Now, whether that's as a committee member or whatever, it's a, you know we can turn up and we need people to flip sausages on barbecues. I'm not taking anything away from that. That's really important. But I think there's a lot the business sector could do and influence in the charity sector that can make a world of difference. And they're not things that take a huge, huge Herculean effort to do a lot of it is just your acumen and being able to come in and you know we've had conversations on the phone you and I about mm. different things and I use my committee for that a lot you know where I I, I seek their advice on things I implore people in the business world to if they can afford it and have got the time to to see how they can get involved and how what they've learned over the years being burnt and otherwise or having successes either way you learn from both um, to get involved and you know hopefully it's at a PCYC but anything you're passionate about. Well, what's uh, interesting about that too is, and I think most people think, oh, yeah, but they're just going to use me up. But I'm going to tell you now, you get a lot out of it if you give to this sort of environment, particularly this environment because it's quite real, it's tangible, it's better than giving money. Mm. I mean, you can give money, the, the clubs need money, but if you can if you can actually offer something, you've got something to offer and see the outcomes. I mean, in a small club like this, you can actually see the outcomes. Mm. You can see them right in front of you. You see these kids, you know, getting ready for the the what are there's a, a youth Olympics or some Spartan thing. I mean, I and they're they're and they're always trying to raise a bit of money here and there, and the, the look on their faces, how happy they look. You know, they just look. It's just a great look. You know, and it's you take something away with it, and that's something, by the way, you can put in your gratitude jar. Mm. You know, you can say, I am I feel gratitude for the opportunity to see this happen, mm. and I think that's an important point. If if businessmen and or people out there who can help are looking to 
emulate what you do and put three things in the jar every day or think about three things that you're, you you feel gratitude for, sometimes we've got to actually look for them. Mm, yeah, totally. Sometimes we've got to create Some them. Some mornings is harder than others. Uh, totally. 100%. I, I do the same thing. I don't look for three, I just look for one. But, I mean, sometimes you've got to create them. You've got to, you've got to actually go and do something yep. that you feel gratitude towards. So – so keep doing what you're doing, mate. We, I'm, I'm glad you could come on today because we want to tell as many people as possible about what you're feeling, what you're inspired by, and what you're actually executing on. I wanted that opportunity for people to hear about it. And you know, where we can get help, I want to get help. What one question would you ask me? Let's say I'm on your advisory panel. What, what, do you, what one question would you ask me today? Uh, I would ask you about uh, you know, the communication of wins. Um, you know, uh, you've been very successful for a long period of time. Um, how do you find the most succinct way to communicate your wins in a humble manner um, that also does, you know, does the job of spreading the gospel or spreading the word of, of what you're doing there? How do you find the best way to communicate your wins? I'll underline the word gospel. You just made a very important point. The gospels um, were written by the apostles of Jesus, okay? And it's a good time to talk about this because at least it just passed. And where Jesus was pretty bloody smart is that he appointed apostles, 12 people, who then went and spread his word. He didn't. He got others to spread his word. And each one of those then found what they call disciples, who then spread the word. And today, of course, the Christian religion is the biggest religion in the world. It took a long time. It took 2,000 years to get there. We you and I haven't got that long. But um, point being here is you need, you need evangelists. You need people to go and, who have platforms to go and talk about what the PCYC movement's doing. This is a good example today. I have 100,000 people going to download this and right today you're using me and I'm happy to do it too, by the way, as one of your apostles and or evangelists to get out there and tell the story about what Tomo is doing at PCYC, but what the broader PCYC Could is Could you just call about. me Jesus for just for this bit? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at you, got the beard and everything. You look, but I, I, you look a bit more healthy than Jesus did on Easter Monday, Easter Tuesday, let me tell you. He wasn't looking real flash. Um, yeah. But uh, so... Um, but that's the whole point. The point is, I mean, it's, going to, it's impossible for you to do it mm. because just you've got too much to do. Yeah. I mean, you can't – and by getting Michelle Bridges. I mean, I presume you got Michelle Bridges by going through her husband who I've often um, gets involved in the uh, Time for Kids thing. I've, I've seen him down there in Martin Place with me sometimes. But they're evangelical people, people like Freddie, Brad Fittler. He loves the Willamloo Peace Boys. He loves the Peace Police Boys movement. Um, um, uh, um there's a whole lot of old boxing people. For example, you did something quite good uh, late last year. I remember I went to, and Tony Mundine was down there, and Tony Mundine has his roots in PC, uh, Willamette PCYC. These people all, all are evangelical people, and you're smart. You're advisory committee. So I actually think, mate, what you're doing is is right. You What you've got to do is keep doing it over a long period of time. Mm. And where you can get people to leverage, where you can leverage people's platforms more, mm. you need to leverage the platforms more. So – my view on it is you just got to hunt down people and you, you come out of a rugby league environment. You know rugby league people. You know, lean on them, mate. Mm, yeah. I mean, and people, I'll be honest with you, people are always happy to help. And especially, it's a no-brainer for me. I'll walk away from this today thinking, you know what, I helped out Willamette PCYC today. And in my case, it's a double barrel because hopefully it's going to help me on Friday as well raise some money. But I've helped out Willamette PCYC today. I got Tom O'Wean as content for me today. So that means we didn't, you know, Huey didn't have to go and search for content for today. Um, it helps you. It helps the thing that I believe in, the PCYC. And there's nobody's going to say they don't believe in helping youth. Nobody. So it's a no-brainer. It's the best product 
that you could possibly think of, and it's got every aspect to it. You just have to drag out of it the aspects that appeal to, say, someone like Gus Warland. Mm. Um, uh, uh, mental health. You see that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the kids. We run uh, one of our programs. I won't take too much more of your time, but one of the, our core programs, um, we run an alternative learning program out of our club. So this probably shows the diversity of PCYC in 2018. So we run a, a program for 15 to 17-year-olds who have fallen away from the school system uh, for whatever reason, um, some of them out of their control, some of them behavioural, whatever they might be. Um, many of the kids, there's always an underlying factor. There's Kids don't just... They don't just fail just because they fail. Um, you know, there's always something. And a lot of the time, it is a mental health issue, whether it's anxiety, um, depression, um, a number of different things. Um, that's what we offer. That's what the PCY offers now. When we take those kids and their attendance could be anywhere lower than 10%, more, more often than not. On average, over the last three years since we started the program, we get them up to about 75% attendance. So, um, and that's just that, that's just that measurement. That's just that metric. There's a bunch of other metrics too. Um, but I guess for me, that's the diversity of things that we offer. And that's the story you got to tell. Yeah. And you've got to use that diversity to tell the story. Yeah. So it's sort of counterintuitive, but you've got to take that diversity. The diversity is that, mental health. Get on yeah. a Gus Wallen show. Get on to something where the cop. I mean, the cops have got that, – that, that police, the police website has a million followers. Mm. New South Wales Police has one million Facebook followers, one million. That is happy hunting ground for you. Yeah. Talk about what the police do for PCYC and what PCYC does for the police. And I, I don't know who the police um, person is now in the New South Wales cops, but I'm sure that person would be more than happy to get on Facebook and do a Facebook interview with you. Yeah, well, I think that's the exciting thing about the police right now and this time for PCYC. We've got a new CEO, newish, year or so, um, but we've got a, a police commissioner in Mick Fuller mm. whose primary goal is crime prevention and young people. Obviously, the terrorism threat is an ongoing thing and high on the agenda, but for him, his legacy piece is youth crime. And putting a dent in that, we've got a new assistant commissioner, uh, commissioner, Joe Cassar. Once again, that's that's the charter from the top. He's the man implementing it, and it goes down um, into the PCYC. So it's an exciting time uh, for the organisation because we've got that support from the top, from Commissioner Mick Fuller, um, who's really driving it through the police. And as you would know, being involved with police a long time, when the commissioner says something. It's on. So, or especially this commissioner. Especially this commissioner. So, like, I mean, you could do you you could get Mick and do a a, a Facebook interview with him mm. and talk about the interaction between police, um, the oldest police boys club, the oldest police, the oldest PCYC in New South <laughs> Wales. It's heritage, and because that gives Mick a, an entree into the discussion, mm. and then it gives uh, the commissioner the opportunity to talk about how important it is to him because he he wants to showcase what he he's about too. Yeah, and it gives you an opportunity to showcase yourself. You you got a you got an audience of a million people. Yeah, totally. There's you've got so much fertile and potent ground there to work with, mm. and obviously you need to get. Uh, then you've got the minister of police, you've got the government, mm. and obviously they put money into this, and they put money into the police, the PCYC movement. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so they want to see if they're getting uh, pound for pound money uh, value for their dollar. They want to be able to promote they're getting value for their money. Yeah, that's right. So they need the opportunity to do it too, and you need. So there's lots of different. Um, uh, lots of different platforms out there and lots of people who would be happy to talk to you. I'm 100%. Yeah. Tomo, great, great, great having you here, mate. Thanks, mate.